With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Web. I'm Marquette Salvo, and you're listening to The Revolution of Health. I am delighted to have Carter Twitty on the show today. Some of you are his regular class followers, uh, while others of you out there are just fairly new to yoga and are just curious like Carter was when he first walked into his first yoga class way back when, and he can tell us that story maybe during the interview. So, um, Carter, hi, welcome. I'm so happy to have you on the show today. I hope that we can inspire others to try yoga class like you did and uh, maybe answer a few questions and talk about your inspiration. Yeah, thanks, Marquette. Thanks for having me. Uh, It's a pleasure to be on. (laughs) So happy to have you. Well, um, I guess, I mean, where should we start? Like, what... Before you tell me kind of maybe your greatest influences in yoga, what is yoga, like in one minute, what would be your elevator speech of like yoga? And then let's get into like the deeper stuff. (laughs) Okay, yeah. So if I had a minute on an elevator to tell someone to practice it, um, I would probably tell them that yoga is one of the few forms of physical movement that has a very, very present Um, mindfulness or intellectual or even mind-body connection to it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's nothing wrong with fitness in general, uh, being healthy in in the body, but being healthy in body and mind, as studies have shown most recently, is that they're not two separate systems, that the body and mind are directly linked. And I just find yoga to be a very efficient practice to uh, benefit both of those systems simultaneously. Oh, I love it. I'm hooked. I'm getting off on the ground floor, and I'm definitely going to head into a yoga class next. Perfect. I'll Actually, try and use that one next time. Yeah, <laughs> use that on the elevator. Um, tell us, like, I I kind of learned this recently about you, that you just, you're a sophomore in university, right, here at yeah. SMU in Dallas, and you just, like, walked into a class, someone invited you, and that was your first thing. So you weren't, like, sold out, I meant to say your first experience with yoga, you weren't just dying to try yoga, but you went and you were kind of hooked after that. I mean, is that where it all started for you? 
Yeah, as far as I can remember, um, at SMU, where I went to college in Dallas, there is a wellness requirement, and part of the program is you're supposed to do something you've never done before. And my friend Mike had never been to yoga, and he wanted to go, but, of course, he didn't want to go alone. And so he asked me, and I said, sure, of course, why not? And I went. It was a Bikram yoga class, which is the style that's very high temperature, uh, set sequence of postures every time, 90 minutes. And they're very disciplined about telling you when and when you can't drink water and you're not allowed to leave the room. And the first time, I almost died. It was just so hot, <laughs> over 100 degrees, yeah. 90 minutes. Really? The humidity was way up. Yeah, horrible. Mm. Um, but I really liked the discipline of it. Um, and as a beginner, because the poses were always the same, uh, that was really helpful so I could really learn and feel like I was learning something over time. The more yeah. optional I went, the more comfortable I got both in the room just with the temperature but also with the postures themselves. Yeah. Man, that's awesome. Did you um, – what made you decide over the next few months or years to go ahead and, like, go to New York and get your – hour sure. training, you know, your 200-hour yoga training and all that good stuff. I yeah. mean, how does that work for, for um, you? It, it was very slow, much like going to my first mm-hmm. class wasn't something <laughs> that – it's not like I started yoga and then I was like, oh, I'm going to be a yoga teacher. It happened very right. organically and almost under my own nose. Like I didn't start to really <laughs> notice how much uh, yoga was a part of my life until I graduated college and I got a job working for this um, – what was described to me as a sort of a business um, brokerage and consulting firm. But really, when you get hired, it it ends up being cold calling for personal insurance. (laughs) And Um, so I I was like, okay, well, at least it's a job. It was 2007. And I was like, I'm out of college. At least I'm employed. That makes my parents happy. But I did not Mm -hmm. enjoy it. And I did not enjoy it to the point where I would wake up and go to a 6 a.m. yoga class, shower it the studio I was attending at the time, drive to work, work all day, and then probably take like another class in the evening. And it was like my yoga was getting me through this job that I did not particularly enjoy. And after about nine months of this work, I just, I decided to quit. And I went in the next day and I was like, I'll give you two weeks. And they're like, well, you don't have to. I was like, all right. And I just walked. I don't think I took anything with me, not not a pen, not a keepsake of any kind, and never went back. Wow. And they were excellent people. We left on excellent terms, but I did not miss it in the moment, or I've not missed no. it since. And I went to a teacher friend of mine who I really respected uh, named Saber Hansen, who still teaches here in Dallas. And I yeah. told them, wow. I never quit my job. I want to become a yoga teacher. And she said, okay great. (laughs) And then I said, where should I do my training? Because to be certified to teach now, you need what's called a 200-hour teacher certification through Mm -hmm. a company called Yoga Alliance. Now, that's not the company that does the training. They just are the certification board, let's say. And she said, go Dharma. And I down, spell it out. Is that a person? Is that a place? (laughs) I had no idea who or what Dharma was. And so I went home and I got online and dharmayogacenter.com was the website and it turns out that dharma is a person and a style of practice he's been teaching in new york since the late 60s 
he's going to be turning 76 this uh, this May. And wow. he opened the first yoga and asana. Asana is the word for postures in the yoga practice. Is what we most commonly see, like at gyms and yoga studios. He opened the first sort of independent studio back in, I think it might have been 75. And he uh, is still teaching almost on a daily basis. He teaches a master class at 12 or 12.30 most days of the week. And then in the evenings, he does a physical practice and then something either on some of the more esoteric aspects, either meditation or philosophy. And Mm. the first time I met him was when I went to training for my 200-hour training back in uh, the summer of 2008. Wow. And, yeah, and that was the first time that I uh, learned about yoga more than just going to the classes and trying the different postures, learned some of the philosophical sides of things, learned my very kind of beginning of meditation practice. And slowly but surely, uh, I grew to make this kind of the way that I live my lifestyle. I mean, not to to any any strict degree. And of course, I've had peaks and valleys with that, if we can, if you want to talk about that later. But uh, that really... <laughs> kind of set me on the path of what Dharma shares a lot with his students and what he says all that can give is some of your spiritual knowledge. Now, for Dharma, the spiritual knowledge means yoga, both the physical practices and the meditation and the philosophy of it. And I really took that to heart. And it really helps me on the days where, you know, because I don't always want to get up and teach. You know, there's days where I'd rather just right. stay home and hang out with my dog and my girlfriend or just do my own practice. But then I remember yeah. Dharma and the gifts, it just, it makes me feel so good to be able to share it with people when I can. Oh. I love that. I I love Dharma. Now I want to meet him. I I think that is just Well, he's still around. Him. He teaches all the time. Um, he's <sighs> always studio in New York at 23rd and 6th now is the location, really near the Flatiron Building. And uh, he's also always on tour, almost, seems like. Uh, really? Going to different journal events. Yeah, he'll, he practices and teaches really all mm. over the world now. He's doing it a little yeah. less. Now, I don't think he likes to travel that much. I mean, I, I don't assume, but he seems to be staying more at home. And now his son, Dove, is uh, doing a lot of the the training around the world, which is great. Oh, that's fantastic. Do you, do you, would you say that he's one of your greatest influences in yoga or, um, absolutely. I'm, sure he is, I'm mean, assuming, he, but can you tell me some more about your influences? Sure. Him and otherwise? Well, it always, I mean, I think for most practitioners, you get attached to the teachers that you spend a lot of time with. Yeah. So early on in my practice, um, so after I left Bikram, there was a studio in, in Dallas called Exhale, and they have studios all over the country. And then one opened in Dallas in, oh, I can't even remember, maybe 2006 or something, in five. And I really loved that each teacher there got to teach kind of in their own style, um, not necessarily a style they invented, but to whomever their teachers were. They were able to make it personal to themselves. So at that point in my practice, I enjoyed the variety of that. And then... I would say the teachers that most influenced me at the time were two here in Dallas named Saber Hansen and Susie Caicedo, and they both still teach here in Dallas. Susie, I think, mm. mostly at Exhale, and Sabra a bit at We, though she doesn't teach as much as she used to or as much as I wish she would anymore. She's kind of <laughs> – she's uh, she does a lot of massage, and she's also uh, a triathlete, so I don't think she has as much time for 
teaching, unfortunately, anymore. And they were really foundational for me. And through them, um, they introduced me to some teachers out in Scottsdale, Arizona, at a studio that at the time was called At One Yoga. And the oh, wow. teacher I connected with, with most there is John Salisbury. And he comes from a different tradition than Dharma. His father was actually a yoga teacher. So John's been teaching forever and and learning, being a practitioner forever. And he comes from the Ashtanga tradition, which is a very powerful physical practice, uh, mm-hmm. very challenging. Even the, the first or what's called the primary series is something that I still have trouble getting through. But he's one of my favorite teachers, just his <laughs> level of knowledge, and not only the amount that he knows, but his ability to yeah. communicate that very clearly and simply to people is excellent. Yeah. So Susie, wow. Sabra... John and Dharma are probably my biggest yoga influences. Wow. Thanks for sharing. I, I'm going to look of course. those four up for sure. I mean, you've you got to. Like and it's easier now than ever because, you know, on the internet, Definitely. you can pretty much find anybody and they are everybody. Uh, everybody, which is really nice. Anybody and Something everybody. Very different from when I, when I started teaching. You know, I started teaching before Instagram, really kind of before Facebook became uh, a process that the teachers could use to to connect with their students. So yeah. it's really nice now in yoga that you can you can if you if you're willing to spend the time to look, you can find quite a bit out now, which is nice. Oh, totally. Well, and speaking of pre-internet days, not that we still don't read books and everything like that, but I mean, right. what what resources do you normally kind of recommend, or which books have giving you the most insight? I mean, which books do you read and recommend? That's a great question. Uh, So specifically for yoga, uh, where where I was taught with Dharma and and his senior students, um, we tended to use or uh, study what would be considered the classics. And the classics Mm. in yoga are the Bhagavad Gita, which is a short excerpt of a much larger book called the Mahabharata, that is sort of like the epic of India, and it includes all of the things from philosophy of the Vedic tradition and, you know, much newer into the Hindu traditions that are still in India. And the Bhagavad Gita tells essentially the story of a person named Arjuna, who is, you know, in the book, the way it starts is he's taken onto a battlefield, he's in its chariot, and he looks at one side, it's his family, like his direct family, his brothers. And then on the other side, the, the people he's fighting are all of his cousins. And so really it's family on both sides. And his charioteer, uh, the guy driving the chariot, is yeah. Krishna. And Krishna is an avatar in the Hindu tradition of, of the Lord or of God. And some people you know, believe this book to be literal, but whether you believe it to be literal or simply metaphorical, the battle is the internal battle and the, the one inside us and that we're pitting ourselves against ourselves. And so when Arjuna goes to the middle of this battlefield and he kind of wants to drop his bow and arrow and say, I can't fight, you know, I don't want to fight my family. Krishna then takes him through a process through the chapters in describing what yoga is in the most traditional sense of how to face that internal battle. And that there's, you know, not a literal step-by-step process, but yeah. it's, uh, it's, a, it's a nice guidepost. So that would be one. And then the other is the Yoga Sutras, 
that originally mm. were collected, and it's it's hard to de- decide or understand whether uh, the author Patanjali was one person or it was they were all collected uh, under that name. But either way, the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali would be the other book that I would recommend anyone who's really interested in the classical forms of yoga to to study. Now, others, of course, you know, they're not really interested in the philosophy. They want to learn more of the postures. Mm-hmm. And for that, I would recommend uh, another classic in, an, in its own right is Light on Yoga by B.K.S. Iyengar. Uh, ah. that is, he, is, he is the the name of what is uh, known also as Iyengar Yoga. He is probably one of the two or three teachers that have made the physical practice um, available to so many people in the world. He just died uh, last year. and But his mm. book, Light on Yoga, is an excellent sort of primer on the, cla- like on the, the most common postures uh, with, with uh, photographic, but also very detailed instruction about what the body should be doing in the yoga, in the postures. Wow. That's so helpful. Thanks for yeah, of course. giving those recommendations. And then, of course, once you start there, like, that's the tipping point. And then it allows oh, you yeah. to go in whatever direction, you know, you're most interested in, whether it's the esoteric or the more physical practice. Yeah. Kind of takes its own form <laughs> as we go through yeah, this little um, right, process that you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, because everyone who's practicing, like, they come for different reasons, like, I was not. I did not know anything about the uh, the philosophical sides of yoga. I just wanted to go and you know sweat a little bit and feel really good physically, and that's yeah. great. That's where a exactly. lot of people are. That's what they need. Dharma always says, you know, you've got to meet meet the students where they are. And he where also says are. that every student is going to find their teacher the same way every teacher is going to find their students. You just be yeah. patient be true to yourself and it'll be fine. Oh, I love that advice. That's, that's awesome. Well, um, thanks for covering the books. What about going back then to social media? I mean, do you, are you on social media? Do you follow people on social media? What are your, I mean, we don't need to get on social media talk. I'm just saying if you do follow anyone sure. on social media, tell me about that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I am on social media so I can quickly cool. plug myself, I guess. You can find me on Instagram, just at Carter Twitty, C-A-R-T-E-R-T-W-I-T-T-Y. Same with Twitter. And on Facebook, uh, Carter Twitty Yoga. And okay. it is interesting because social media, as a yoga teacher, I find at times exhausting and at yeah. other times exhilarating, like finding yes. – um, people that I can learn from very quickly. There's so many people sharing so much freely on social media that it's it's inspiring and it makes me a better teacher and a better student. Uh, It can be tiring just because in order to get my work out or, you know, keep people informed of what I'm doing, it is it is a daily practice in and of itself, much like meditation or doing my, my physical practice in yoga. But I try and keep a light, light thought process about it. Try not to force myself into anything. But as far as people I follow, teachers, I, John Salisbury is on there. I think it's, he's under at Yogi John. And then Dharma is definitely on there at, at Dharma Yoga Center. And 
then you can find others that are associated with Dharma, like his son at Yogi Varuna, and then Dharma's son Dove. And his his name is Dove, but his his given name once he became a disciple in the or initiated in the lineage is Yogi Varuna. And then his company Dharma Yoga Wheel, which has a lot of inspiring uh, photos that then you'll be able to follow other teachers who they post on there is at Dharma Yoga Wheel. So those are good places to begin, I would say. Okay, awesome. Yeah, that's so I'm glad that you do that. Now, do any of those infiltrate your own personal practice? Tell me a little bit about your personal practice. I mean, do you kind of look through all these books and um, the social media and stuff and find different ideas for your practice? But what is, or you kind of, you stay to one kind of set routine all the time. Tell me about your personal practice. Yeah, that's a great question. And that is, it changes, and it's changed continually since I began practicing yoga. So in the very beginning, like most practitioners, I needed to go to class to actually do the work. Like I had zero home practice, which I'm sure you can understand. Like at times you're like, oh, you know, I'm going to do these things at home and then just go to class a couple of times a week. And it turns out, you know, you always find something else to do when you're at home. <laughs> so I had to I had to go to class. So when I was starting at Bikram, I would go at kind of the height of my discipline, you know, five, six, even seven days a week I'd go for one class. Uh, and then same at Exhale, I'd go once a day, or when I really was not feeling my job, I'd go once in the morning and once in the evening. And it wasn't really, and to be perfectly honest, it wasn't even until I attended the second teacher training with Dharma and his studio and his teachers, in I think it was, I can never remember now if it was the winter of 2010 and 11 or (laughs) somewhere around then, 2010 or 11. (laughs) And part of the discipline was that, um, you know, for the the second training I attended, the 500 hour, we met instead of for one long extended period, like the 200 hour training, we went for two long extended periods with about a month and a half or two months in between. And in between those, I had to practice essentially every day. Like, I had seven, like, free days, I think, but every other time I had to be practicing. And and at the time, it was a very specific sequence. It was either Dharma's level two sequence or his level three sequence, which I would recommend if someone is trying to begin a home practice. It's find a sequence. Find a sequence. It doesn't matter the level of skill. That's certainly something you can pick on your own. But find something that can either be written down easily or that can be printed out on a sheet for you that you can just kind of put at the top of your mat and then it's just there. So you don't have to think about it. You can still follow direction even though you're doing it at home. Dharma has these great laminated eight by 11 sheets that have each pose and each pose in order that you would do for all of the sequences. So when I was developing my home practice, those were invaluable because at the time, you know, you get out and you roll your mat and you're like, now, what did my teacher do the other day? And you'll yeah. spend 30 minutes trying to remember it. You'll have no idea. But these, you just don't have to think about it. You just do what's on the page. And I couldn't recommend that more highly. That sounds brilliant because it takes a lot of the – it helps you just get into a routine and helps you get into, right. like, a system. Like, okay, now I'm used to it. And then your creative energy can flow later once you're in a rhythm. You know what I mean? But – you don't. Yeah, you're trying to it, think and be creative and be disciplined. It's hard to just not just go through the motions at first. <laughs> Literally, you know. What that's I mean? exactly right. 
Yeah, I, love I um, that advice. Because when That's you're concerned, advice. yeah, when you're concerned about am I doing the right thing in the right order, you're kind of a little too much in your mind. But if you just have it all right. out there for you, then it's then it's more you can just let that part of the mind go and just focus on what you would be focusing on anyway in class. Now, over time, for me personally, if you do those enough times, one, they become internalized, so where you don't have to yes. look at the sheet anymore. You've got it sort of memorized both in your body and in your mind. And then, two, you'll just, over time, catch yourself doing other variations. You know, if you're, you know, if you, if you're allowing yourself sort of that free-flowing of thought and physical, you know, experience, then you might just end up in another pose sometimes or number two you just get really bored and you need to try something different and so I have used social media uh, as a tool to you know you just see what other students and practitioners are attempting and then you're like that looks cool and then you try it yourself which brings me to another thought Um, I know you asked about books earlier and those are very specific and very traditional yoga books Um, another book I would recommend it has really yeah. nothing specifically to do with yoga. It's called The Rise of Superman. And I can't off the top of my head remember the author's name, but I'm pretty sure it's a pretty distinctive title. But The Rise of Superman is all about um, how human performance continues to grow at a very fast rate. Uh, this, the book itself talks a lot about extreme athletes like surfers and skateboarders and rock climbers that are seemingly working in this very individual movement practice or training. You know, you don't see a whole lot of, it's not like you go to a surfing class and there's like 50 people like there may be in a yoga class. It seems to be a little bit more individualized. But what happens around these people is they start to live in these small communities. And these small communities of people that are interested in the same things, they continue to push each other. Like examples like, uh, surfing, they'll try and each catch a bigger wave. Or skateboarding, they'll try a more and more challenging trick. And the act of them communicating with each other and sharing these thoughts and pushing each other in a very supportive and healthy way makes them all sort of elevate their game. And one benefit I think that undoubtedly happened because of social media is more and more people are being able to show like their practice and these breakthroughs they're breakthroughs they're having and then other people see it and they try it too and you know of course there's it can be problematic because it is a little isolating when you're just you know on your phone taking a picture of yourself you know and you're not getting a lot of very clear instruction but it is a way for people to sort of collectively share knowledge and and grow together which which is nice and it's only going to make people better hopefully I mean that's the dream (laughs) <laughs> oh, exactly. Well, no, and I love that. I love that you're thinking of so many good things that have to do with social media rather than only focusing on, like you said, some things can be problematic. Well, so can everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, of I course. Love it's out, it's all about those really the positive. time spent. Yeah, because yeah. no, to I be agree. perfectly honest, like I, I turn off my phone and my computer on Mondays. It's my. It's the only day I, I don't that. teach. So it's the only. Yeah, it's the only day I don't teach. So it's the only day I know I don't need to be in contact with anyone. And I just made it a rule that I, Sunday night I throw my phone in a drawer and I don't open that drawer until Tuesday morning. And same with my computer. And it's amazing. Isn't like it? I, 
Yeah, it's amazing, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I took uh, – I mean, today is Tuesday. So, yesterday, my girlfriend and I, like, we drove out to a lake near Dallas called White Rock Lake, and we walked around there. And then we went and bought stuff to make a picnic at our house. And it felt like we were on vacation because sometimes, yeah. like if you go to Europe or somewhere exotic, one of the nice things that you don't even think about, but you sort of disconnect a little bit, disconnect, yeah. you know, from yeah. your, the grind of constantly, you know, getting emails and texts and scheduling things and rescheduling. And so I feel like, to, to to really, for me, to really appreciate the benefits of social media, I sometimes yeah. have to turn it off. <laughs> uh, yes, I think that is so wise, and I think a lot of us can take um, that tip, and even if it's just for a few hours here and there, if we're not ready for a day or yeah, something. I mean, I mean that's it's really awesome amazing. advice. Now, at first, it can be really uncomfortable, but the feeling, once you get past the discomfort, it feels like a new type of freedom. <laughs> it really, I mean, there's no other way for me to describe it. Like my day yesterday could have not been better. And there was a large part of it is because every five minutes I was not checking my phone. <laughs> exactly. No, I think that that's, you know, so true. It's kind of liberating to be off the hook, literally just be off the hook for a little totally. bit. Chill. <laughs> well, um, that's awesome advice. And with our last, with our last minute, do you have any other good advice or tips or just shout-outs, anything else you want to say before um, we kind of wrap up today? And I love that last little bit of advice. Yeah. So other than, you know, trying to turn it off every once in a while, uh, use social media as a tool. You know, if you're mm. interested in learning about yoga or any other type of movement practice, then use your social media to find out about it because there's yeah. so much free information out there. And if you notice something more than once or more than twice, that may be an avenue like that you should explore. Like if you keep seeing yeah. the same teacher pop up or the same style of practice, and if those things speak to you, then that's a way for you to get you know, the most out of whatever your movement practice is going to be. Whether, you know, let's just talk specifically about yoga. If you keep finding, you know, that you like this same person's posts, then see where they're teaching their next workshop or if they're having a retreat or if they're doing a teacher training. And then you can actually meet. I mean, the crazy thing about it is, you know, with social media, it's kind of turned a lot of people in the fitness and yoga profession almost yeah. into little mini celebrities. But the nice thing about it is you can meet almost any of them. And they want to oh, meet yeah. you too. They're going to be around they and they want to share the knowledge they have. And so instead of like having these idols and these inspirations that seem too far away, you can find them on social media and then meet and then learn from them in real life. I love that. Gosh. Well, thank you so much, Carter, for being on the Revolution of Health today and your generous advice and time and um, insight on all these topics. It's just so appreciated it appreciated and obviously much needed loved it today loved having you on the show thanks so much for having me it was a real pleasure and an honor market awesome well until next time and thanks again all right thank you bye bye with 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.